0: welcome to the fish tea podcast where
1: we talk about lgbtq politics pop culture growing up in the caribbean life in the diaspora and the work it takes to sustain love life and laughter in the midst
2: of all the white noise i'm glenn roy i'm kareem and i'm Lanvel. we're giving you everything honey get into this mug we're serving you a hot cup of fish tea Bottoms up! Bottoms up. <laughs>
0: hey, we're our royal team at a huh? Oh, that's it. Official fish, fish tea. No, well, no, because technically, right? Dr. Cornell Gray, one of the original founders of fish tea, became a doctor after he left. But we have a sitting sophisticated <laughs> with doctor among us. <laughs> yourself, Karim, like quick time mean, probably-
2: no so one the time difference um messed people up because my family in jamaica missed it but then two i was only supposed to present for 20 minutes and i think i ended up presenting for like 35 um my dissertation chair actually like cut me off to get questions in and then i think we left on an hour they were done i'm just like oh congratulations dr Cream. i was like oh well that's it i guess that's how that goes <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how will you now that you will do
2: sure i'll let you know when i stop sleeping all i've been doing <laughs> <laughs> all i've been doing is sleeping glenn like i've been um so grateful that y'all were gracious enough to like allow me to just step away for a quick minute just to get it done but because i was under such tight deadlines because you know i had the post doc lined up and i had to defend and have it submitted so i could take advantage of the post doc that starts in july like literally just day in day i was running on caffeine um drinking they had this drink at the coffee shop called the black eye and it was i was drinking i didn't know so i was just drinking a black eye every day because i'm like i gotta get writing. i gotta get writing. Is sit a moment, them say, congratulations, Dr. Kareem. And my mom and my grandma, they were there and they were like, oh, Kareem, let's go have lunch. I'm just like, let me just sleep. please. I just want to go home and sleep. <laughs> I've been doing nothing, but my poor body has been like just crashing because I stopped drinking the coffee. And now it's just like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, I'm used to this now. So um, literally just last week, I was saying to my friends, I was just like, okay, now when I need to get back to finish up some deadlines, because I had to make some minor edits to the dissertation, so I have it formally submitted and publicly available. Blah blah blah. Um, my brain cannot focus. I'm just like, look, I'm ready to party. I'm ready to parlay. I'm ready to be outside, half naked, and now I got to do all these things. Mm-mm. So, check check me check me a month from now. Maybe then I'll be like, I'll let you know what it feels <laughs> what it feels like.
0: Well, you know what? You deserve all your rest, your tens, your flowers, big of yourself, right? Mm. I'm so proud of you for sticking it through. We know so this has been a journey for you, mm. right? And I know you're tired of school, so, you know, <laughs> to get through this entire process, big up yourself. I'm going to ask you to your flowers. <laughs> but as we talk about school, so my students are far in I am
1: Hi, Glenn
0: your exams done uh, done yeah
1: so i submitted my final paper i think last week the 30th um so i'm done for this so i'm supposed to be focusing on this now but i'm uh, last week um that was nice um, but for now, real and truly, I'm just going to the beach. I am I, I'm going to Scotland um this weekend. That's all I'm doing.
0: All <laughs> <Leel>. I'm <Leel. laughs> oh, doing oh, school, stressful. Oh my
1: god. Oh my god.
0: So just to give y'all an update, are we still in construction? Right, and also, may I keep you check because as we tell you, people been not listening to the podcasts and I treat things back in my face. <laughs> right, you know who you are, so we still in construction. There is that, um, but things are going good. Um, no, if i be very, very honest, things are going good. Um, most things are generally going according to plan. Um, the place I opened up back, but then the covet, you kind of other things so well, i pay attention to that my love um but i'm actually in a good pasting gym as much this week as i would like but you know she, right. she i did a lot
1: in. last I night mean,
0: <laughs> i mean i <laughs> mean
1: been doing the photo shoots been Lander, please around, been yes been killing
0: the, <laughs> the close friends um, let's
2: go, oh guys. Thank you, my I carry two close friends. Can carry be a message, girl? Let's go, guys. And silly of me to automatically assume in our close friends. Mister, okay. Yeah, we're gonna drop. <laughs> Only thing, let's somebody I turn. On, I'm going post notification. Mister, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> no, no, there were quite a few people actually who I message, I message him. I said, all right, yeah, you should be there too. So that is it's my somebody, but what I will do for you, Kareem? There yes. is, I will send the pictures that were there. I will send them here yeah. picture into the fish team group, yeah. so you can see what I was doing and what I was getting on with. The little, teaser, the, little did I on. the little teaser, the little
2: teaser, the agwan, the little teaser, the agwan, no ma, na la ya, na la agwan. The little teaser, will make it. The one picture you put it agwan, it on.
0: Yeah, on, go on? Go on. I'm <laughs> a memo, but my friend, they don't want to. do look a cute shoot so what do I look like cute shoot? i it. "Wow what would it mm. So it's, a, I guess, because I'm going to use them to do my, I'm going to do a very low-key birthday shoot this year. Um, it's not going to be the extravaganza that I did last year, um, but it's going to reveal something. So we were just kind of doing some test shot with some silhouettes. So we'll, we'll post the silhouette them on the page, so we'll put a set of art. But like the is the you know, I had to reserve it for specialized only and stuff like that. But also, I'm a minute of that truck here. Like, I'm a bit of a i just a... Uh...
2: We need an episode yeah. that. We need an episode from when, you know, because I too have been going deeper into the lingerie and the, the sexy underwears and the so on and the so forth. So we need- It's very important. Yes. very important. Oh, and I need so. to
0: stop but oh, well, <laughs> you know. But back to business because uh, we we'll get lost, right? So, listeners, today we are on another one of our Caribbean tours. Like we've been to Trinidad, we've been to Barbados. That was our last stop. So we're going to the other end of the Caribbean today uh, to speak to uh, Cherise Talbert from Belize, who is one of the founders of an LGBTQ movement's organization called Petal, um, who's been doing some amazing work in Belize. So welcome to the podcast, Cherise. Uh, I'm so excited that you agreed to be a part of this conversation with us so that our audience can be more familiar with the, the situation in Belize and the work that your organization is doing.
3: Thank you very much as well for having me. As I said, I was not aware of Fish Tea um, until I listened to the podcast that you sent me. And I'm like, oh, this sounds like so much fun. It wasn't <laughs> the first time that I'm hearing this, right? Um, I really like the, the one that I listened to um, that you shared with me. And the organization, our name is not PETAL actually, it's just an acronym. The name is Promoting Empowerment Through Awareness for Lesbian and Bisexual Women. But because it's so long, um, we just use the acronym PETAL, right? So it's easier for persons to remember. But when we register the organization, we are the only organization um, in Belize, LGBT organization, that has registered its name, stating that we are a lesbian and bisexual organization. So as opposed to registering it and just saying PETAL that people, oh, what? do you do you know you already know when we tell you what our name is because it's registered as that right but um I know it's a very long name and so um it's easier to share when you say okay it's Petal yes you, you, it's Petal yes <laughs> um, uh, so, oh, sorry I, I was okay. just gonna mm-hmm. add, kind of talk to us
0: about like what inspired you to kind of start an organization like this
3: Actually, it was my partner. Um, She came back to Belize and she found that there was not much being done for the uh, LBQ population within the country, or as would be said that not much, because you can't say that things aren't being done if you're not kind of aware of what's being done. So my partner, uh, Simone Hill, she's the founder. And when she came back, she wanted to do something. And she was like, She didn't want to be the one to do it. She wanted somebody else to do it and for her to follow. But it didn't happen that way. She had to actually be the one to take it by the reins. And um, I decided, okay, I'm going to help you do this. this. This seems like something that I want to be a part of. And so we ventured on that. And then we included some other women as we moved along and decided that, yes, this is going to be what we're going to do. We had to go out there and engage the um, LBQ population to find out if it's in fact that you want an LBQ organization, you know. There's a lot of other LGBT organizations. Some persons don't want to be branded being a part of uh, an LGBT organization. So that's a part of our process. We really wanted to know, you know, should we do this or should we just be a part of another organization, you know. And it was very enlightening when we went out there that people were like, don't come to me just to fill out surveys or don't come to me at only like a one off moment type of thing. I want to know that you all are continuously engaging us, inviting us to be a part of things, hearing our voices, knowing what we want to say, truly be representative of us. So in a nutshell, that's that's kind of our journey.
2: That's Please, over
1: here oh <laughs> I, I, I wanted to ask I, I did a little um kind of scanning of um your website I wanted to ask because I, I see that um this also came about um because of a discussion around like cervical cancer um for lbq women and I know um at JFLAG or in Jamaica general, we talk a lot that um, LBQ women are, are normally left out of discussions um, because they're not, they don't have a higher prevalence for, for HIV. The focus mm-hmm. isn't on them and they're normally treated as heterosexual um, women when they, when they go to seek health. And that was very, was very interesting um, for me. How has that um, since, that was what 2011 how has mm-hmm. how has that kind of changed the approach to to, to help care for lgb lgb lbq women and changed since then
3: it's changed a bit where we've uh taken an active role in sexual and reproductive health and rights we've been partnering with other organizations um for example there's a belize family life association within uh, the country of belize that provides sexual and reproductive um, services And so we partner with them to make sure that women are able to receive the necessary services. I won't say that that it's an easy road having um, LBQ women go into the health facilities and be able to access the services, not because it's not being offered, but because of the stigma and discrimination that comes with. They don't really want to engage in having the services done, so that has been and continues to be a part of the reason why they don't access the service. There's just too much stigma and discrimination around them having to. It's like, if you're if you're with another woman, why is it that you need to do this? Why do you want to do this? You know, um, can a toy, can a dildo give you an STD? You know, there's there's just so much discrimination around around LGBT people and. So accessing services always tends to be um, harder for them because a lot of persons, when they do decide, if we encourage them to get it done, we kind of have to make sure that it's in place for them to get it done. It's not just providing them with the information and they'll just go and say, okay, I need to be able to get tested because I am a woman. Um, I need to do these things, whether I'm engaging in sex or not with um, a male. I need to do these things, you know. but. One, either they don't want to, two, as I said, the discrimination that's around it, and three, we try to make it easier for them providing the education as well as the support because they may not even be able to afford the necessary um, services. So we provide that outlet for them to be able to engage in in safer, healthier um, sexual and reproductive health.
2: I'm curious about your um your journey into advocacy and activism. What was that like? Uh was there an aha moment of like, okay, this is the space that I want to be in, or was it really just a, you know, just kind of like happenstance? Like, what was that journey like for you?
3: I would say both. First, because when my partner decided to do this, I'm like, oh my God, this is so much work. I didn't sign up to do this. There was like so much work to be done. Like we knew we wanted to do these things, but we did not realize the paperwork that's attached to doing this, getting the organization registered, incorporation documents, getting a board together, you know, all the necessary things that's a part of the process. Um, At the time I was working full time and I decided like I, I, I cut a lot of my work hours. I had a flexible schedule and I cut a lot of my work hours to be able to assist the organization. And I think that's where kind of like my pull came. Even though from younger, I've always been advocating. I've always been multi, as we say in Caribbean, uh, in the Caribbean, you have too much lip.
2: Right. I've always
3: <laughs> been that person, right? So that has not changed. Uh, sometimes I worry because I'm like, Mm, mm, (laughs) we don't know how to do this right and so um that kind of became like my pull the more I had to give up my office hours to be able to help the organization and then when you see the impact that you've made with somebody's life the strides that you make you've overcome this you've gotten that done it's like okay yeah we're going to do this, we can continue to do this, you know, and, and that kind of pushes us to want to be able to do more, to continue to do more, you know, so I would say it's both of them. Um, so what I
0: would love to hear is to kind of zoom out a little from Petal specifically, um, but you know, your experiences as a, as a queer woman, queer person in Belize, what is it like for the, um, I don't want to say average, because I know experiences vary, but for the average queer person in Belize, what is that experience like?
3: I think this experience is the same throughout the Caribbean. I don't think it's unique in any of these Caribbean countries. The level of biphobia, all the phobias, the, the level it, it... There are times when it seems that it's down, and then there are times when it seems like it's exceedingly high. But it's not, it's not to say that um, within our country, that it is so unique to the rest of the Caribbean. I wouldn't say that because we're all a set of marginalized people um, sharing the space with straight people. And, and all the norms that they expect, all these things that they put on you, all the ways you're supposed to talk, dress, be, it, it, it's not unique. It's the same. We have um, where if a woman is more masculine presenting and not a trans woman, a trans man, sorry, that for society, it's like they need to harm you because you want to be a man, you're pretending to be a man, and so man up then and let's see who's the bigger man. You know, there, there, there's always, um, for, for, for queer people, it's like, you're all, you all are just rude. You all just bad. You all just want to sleep with everybody. You know, you all don't know what you want and things like that, you're confused. So I, I don't think it's, it's unique um, in terms of how we are treated being marginalized people within the Caribbean. And amongst our own people for the most part, you know, like so hard.
2: It's interesting you say that because in trying to like trying to get a context of the the scene in Belize, so to speak. Um, <laughs> you know, I was trying to do some quick like a quick Google, and like most of what came up, like on that front page, is telling you how gay-friendly Belize is, and the fact that Sam pedro i think it says is like the most gay friendly destination in belize and how resorts are always hosting like these um gay gay friendly queer friendly um festivals and stuff like that um
3: that that sells you know um San Pedro is said to be. There are a lot of gay persons living on San Pedro, as well as it's a well-known tourist destination. So when tourists come and they're there, they feel more comfortable there, but it's not to say that um, there's any special, anything happening out there for gay people, that you're going to be protected more than the remainder of the country. You know, um, they're, they're, the only thing I'd say is, um, in terms of the clubs, In the club scene, there's not that much bashing. If they see two men or two women together, there's not that much of that. And I think part of that is because of um, it being a tourist destination. But within the remainder of the country, if two women are in um, the clubs, if two women are somewhere, there's a lot of uh, all eyes follow you. They're looking to see, you know, if you're only friends, if, if you're going to be holding each other, what you're going to be doing and things like that um I think um where when you go and you google and it says that it's um it's gay friendly mm. I was reading something earlier today and I agree that with June being the month of pride for a lot of countries that everybody wants to be a part of pride so they're doing all these promotions for gay people to come on and, and enjoy these pride activities like you know like it's not just about you saying that you're happy with us with pride or that you want us to spend our dollars or colorful dollars with you. It takes more than that. What happens when it's not pride? You know, you can't just jump on this bandwagon because it's pride. So when I when I think of it it's it's not that if you come in the country automatically somebody's going to be after you trying to harm you or, or things like that. Right. But it's not as it's it's not that friendly to be saying, um, or for a person to be thinking that you can come and you can be in these spaces and doing all these things, and nothing's going to be happening to you because we have LGBT legislation that's going to protect you.
2: Right.
1: As as you talk about legislation, I wanted to to kind of pull, I, I, I think we did this in, in Glenroy's constitution law class, um the the Caleb versus um AG case mm-hmm. um and and I know because Jamaica we're kind of aiming for anti-discrimination policies to kind of not only protect LGBT persons but to protect um minority groups um in general. that case, if anything do for um LGBT
0: persons in um Belize
3: Nothing. Nothing, and I say nothing because nothing has been done. It hasn't even been um, changed in the books. You know, nothing has been done. Currently, we are trying to um, get an equal opportunities bill back um, in our house. Um, it was brought up under the previous government, um, but it didn't. It, it didn't take legs, and so we are pushing once again. For for that equal opportunities bill. And that's going to be a bill, same as what you're referring to um, in terms of an anti-discrimination bill an equal opportunities bill um, that's going to be protecting marginalized, vulnerable people. But in our country, it's going to be protecting for the most part, it's still going to be protecting everybody it's going to be our most comprehensive bill because there are a lot of areas of protection in the bill that there's no other bill for. So that's what makes that bill unique. But in terms of Section 53, having anything changed, no. It's almost like that was done. It's like a movie that you watched and um, people still don't know what it is. For some LGBT people, they believe it, it um, when the case was won, it was our right to marry. You know and things like that so there has not been anything done since then i know that caleb keeps at um them in terms of having this revision made within our books um it hasn't been done as yet in terms of the uh, legal forces the um police forces you know it's almost as if they don't they aren't even aware uh of of the change that was made you know so I would say nothing. Other people may differ and say um, not much, but for me, since that, it was a landmark ruling for us. But until it follows through with all the necessary areas for it to be known, known within the courts, known within the police force, known on the ground, then nothing has been done.
2: Yeah that 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 part is always the difficult part right the the follow through the the oversight the reinforcement yeah. of those things is always lacking and so um i can only imagine what that is like uh can you help us get like a um i guess to the best that you can a clearer i guess context of what lgbtq advocacy looks like in belize right or kind of like trying to get an insight of some of the gains and and wins and where we're still trying to we still where we still need more effort like you said you know implementation of some of these things follow through is still something that we're struggling with in Belize. um because i'm looking at something and it's saying that so homosexuality is legal but gay yes. marriage isn't
3: we don't have gay marriage here you can't you can't get married um to another person of the same sex here
2: right um but homosexuality itself is legal is illegal oh it's illegal also see some of these things need to be updated because it's saying that homosexuality is legal but gay marriage isn't
3: if you come in the country and you say that you are a a gay man Mm -hmm. you can be arrested and jailed for 10 years oh okay right Mm -hmm. um gay marriage there's no gay marriage here um, persons that have wedded have done that outside of the country. Um, no, there's no gay, gay marriage here. There's no, there's no legislation that protects that, that, that anything for LGBT persons that's specific to the LGBT community. Even, even as far as going to, um, report a crime, you and your lover, your partner, um, had a spat and you go to the police station to make a report. You're not going to be taken seriously. There's a whole lot of, uh, uh, of discrimination that that that's there, that one, the report either doesn't get taken, two, if the report gets taken, they are not properly informed that you cannot have a restraining order because you cannot be filing um, for protection, uh, the same as a heterosexual person would, you'd need to be making that complaint under a different act and things like that. So there is no protection. Where it concerns the strides that we've made besides the ruling, for our organization, we sit on three national bodies. We sit on the National AIDS Commission. We sit on the National Commission for Families and Children and we sit on the National Women's Commission um, on the National Gender and Gender-Based Violence Committee. Those have been strides because previously um, with the National Women's Commission and the National Commission for Families and Children, there has never been an LGBT organization sitting on there. So no LGBT, no LBT, no LBQ, no LB, that has never existed. So that that's a a, a stride, again for us to be able to sit at the table with all the other um, deciding heads and be able to actually have input, you know, be a part of that conversation and offer meaningful contributions as well. There's still a lot of setbacks where it concerns the police, and this is not unique. Uh, I mean, for Black people, worse in the Caribbean. It's like you're Black. Yeah, it, Nothing else matters. You're black. We have a handcuff here for you. It's a pair with your name on it. You know. So um, there's still a lot where it concerns the way they handle cases. Um, there's no level of confidentiality. There's no level of confidence in the the, the police, much less the judiciary system. We feel that. Um, And I see this from being a part of the um, one of the organizations that's a part of the uh, Sydney database and the violations that we track. It's it's just ridiculous, like these basic rights that you're not afforded just because like, why is it that you have to know what I do in my bedroom or in my home before you hear everything else that I have to say? You know, what, what, does, what bearing does that have with me just telling you, well, I'm here for this. Why do you need to know all of that? What role will that play? And if it doesn't play a role, then why are you asking me all of these things, right? Um, in terms of accessing services for the community, it's still very hard. Part of that is because it's expensive. Outside of being expensive, sometimes it's not available. Um, and the discrimination is, like, just off the change, like I said. Um, You have one or two, I won't say it's a hundred percent bad, because, you know, within any space, there's always going to be that one or two persons that have been trained, that have the expertise to know how to engage a person as a human being, and not as somebody else, like, you represent a different letter or anything like that, that you're just another human being. So there are one or two persons within those different areas or sectors that have the competence um, to deal with persons, but that's not enough. There's repeated uh, sensitization trainings that occur that we provide free for them, you know, and it, it, it's just so ridiculous that they don't um, want to make sure that this is actually a part of their policies, you know, to be able to, don't just say uh, um, we are a, 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 a non-discriminatory, um, env- we have a non-discriminatory environment or we are no for this or we are pro for that and, and then it doesn't really transcend. you know It's just talk because it sounds good. Yes, we love LGBT people. Or, or LGBT people any more special than just being a person you know I don't need you to, to to pull out a gay flag to cover me to say oh yes that's why I love you because you're very flamboyant you're very fun you're very... I'm a person you know and I'm supposed to be afforded all these things why are you engaging me like I need to be in a special box you know so we've made some strides we continue um to make some strides with the Equal Opportunities Bill. We have continued since last year. It was, um, the bill was presented in 2021, 2020, and last year and up to present, we've been doing some education because we don't believe that there was not, there was not enough education around the bill because when it was presented, the church was up in arms that this is an LGBT bill And they cannot push this because it's to have LGBT persons have gay rights, gay marriages and all these things. And so um, we have been doing an education campaign so that the population is aware of what the bill is, who is going to be covered so that there's more support when it goes um, when it gets uh, represented.
0: So a lot of work to do, <laughs> um, as I suspected, um, and it's, you know, it's interesting that you, you know, you, you talk about what the impact of that decision was, I think, when we hear, you know, the decision being talked about regionally and globally, it's and it's a very important decision, but to kind of hear on the other side of what it looks like on the ground that, you know, presents another interesting dimension. Um, I kind of want to shift gears just a little bit, um, to the extent that I would love to hear about, um, how notwithstanding all of these challenges around access to services, being able to kind of report to the police, which are challenges that, you know, I can say exist here in Jamaica. Um, and we we still, you know, work around and, and all of those issues, I'd love to hear about how, you know, LGBT Belizeans are able to kind of live and be like, what, what spaces are they going to, to kind of let their hair down and have a good time and just, you know, feel like, yes, it's rough, but, you know, like
3: there's more to life than the challenges. I'd love to hear that's a reality. Definitely, definitely. Um, we pride ourselves here at 2 because we have a safe space that we provide for our LBQ women. Uh, we have regular conversations with them in those spaces. We discuss any and everything. Whatever it is that's the topic that they want us to discuss, we, we discuss it. If it's something that requires for us to bring in additional support, then we just put that one off to a later date so that we can have the expertise for them but we discuss everything, whether it impacts them directly or indirectly, you know, we, we discuss those things. We try to provide as well a safe space, not just for them to come and talk, a safe space where, you know, when you come, there's always the access to um, psychosocial support. We provide free psychosocial support. Um, it's a space where. Weekly, we try to do um, activities that's going to have you let your hair down. Unfortunately, it's not at the party-party stage because COVID came and changed all of that. And everything had to just take like a smaller uh, scale when we do it, you know. But we try to maintain that it's still that fun um, space for them, that welcoming space as well. As well, there are other organizations within the country, LGBT organizations, and all the different organizations um, have different activities that they do to keep that space going for our LGBT community. You know, I know that Pride is being celebrated right now, um, as I said, with most persons for us, Ours is in August. So we're currently planning for our Pride, which is August 10th. We use that date, which is the uh, when the ruling came for Section 53. So our pride is August 10th. Um, so we're going to be celebrating pride in the month of August. Um, but we continue to maintain that space. Uh, we have spaces where um, for LGBT families, you know, LGBT children, so that there, there is an outlet for our community on a whole not just us as a people not just us but when we extend it to our children women have children men have children you know so there's always a space that has to be created for them as well that they feel welcome to and they feel safe enough that there's if there's other things happening that they're able to express that and let us know that hey we need to be looking at this we need to be engaging the schools more because this is what's happening within the schools you know this is what's happening within the homes. Maybe we need to engage the Ministry of Human Development more. So yes, there there's continuous spaces. We haven't gotten to the point yet where we can actually have a club that's like you know just all colorful and we can just let our hairs down. And as you said, Dr. Kareem, just get half naked or naked and be. We're not there yet. We don't have that space. Um, I don't believe in the country, we are at a time where we would be able to do that, that should a space be presented as a gay space like that, where we're going to, that it would endanger persons. So we are not at that space where we can say, oh, I'm going there, or are you going to go there? It's known that that's a a gay space in terms of where we party and things like that. It, It wouldn't be safe at this time.
2: Which is why I was which is why that last point you made was so um your you your name that you registered as was so fascinating to me because I was curious as to like if there are any challenges you encounter trying to establish the organization with that name. Um especially like on the legal side of things, like what was that? What we was-
3: didn't experience any when we registered, which was shocking. We thought we would, but we didn't. I don't know if they just like it was a pile of paperwork and they just stamped, yeah, yeah, you're registered, you're registered, you're registered, that they didn't take note, I don't know. But um, we didn't have any type of backlash. I'm knocking on wood. Um, We didn't have any kind of backlash when we registered, but it's not to say that it's still like a bed of roses or it's so easy because for example, we're a women's organization, but we, we are not allowed into schools simply because you're going to try to convert children into being gay right so it, it, in in some spaces we're not welcomed um so the name yes that's a plus that was that that's one of our successes but being to end being able to engage some spaces, especially with 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 the churches having the type of um Power that they have within the education sector—it's not—it's not. We can't. We can't get into primary, high school. It would more be um, a tertiary level with the social workers that we'd be able to engage. But other than that, you're not welcome into. We're always, I guess, we come with um, a, a a dust, and if we sprinkle it, we're we're just going to have a gay planet. So, yeah, yeah. we
1: we're not welcome. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy Glenn asked that question uh, earlier because I think as um, LGBT persons and the, the odds that are stacked against us um, depending on where we live, it's kind of easy to always focus on this is what has been done to us, but not necessarily kind of look at the wins. Um, and kind of celebrate how far we've come. And I think my question um, for you is, during your years um, doing this work, or just as a queer woman in Belize, what are you most proudest of?
3: Oh, what am I most proudest of? I don't think I have one proud moment. If I would have one proud moment, I would say it's when we had launched in 2016 may of 2016 we launched publicly that we are an lbq organization and we invited like the ambassadors the um the uh, police the from every sector we invited um the ministry of human development um the ombudsman you know we invited all stakeholders partners to know that this is an LGBT organize. This is an LBQ organization. These are the areas that we're going to be working in. These are the types of things that we're going to be doing and we're not going to shy away from doing it. Um, so I would say that maybe is my most. After that, it would be every single time that I'm able to have an LBQ woman reach um, a certain level of, of potential. Um, we have where we provide, um, we do personal and professional development. We provide um, empowerment um, and life and livelihood skills, building and different things. And so I, I, that's why I said, I can't say just one, but it's just that gratification that I feel that we've made this positive impact in somebody's life especially if it's a person where you have, and this doesn't take away from the other persons that we've helped, but where you can actually see the growth that has occurred for that person. And they see that what you're doing is for them. And they want other people to know that this organization or these people are truly working to see us have a better life um, in this country trying to make the changes, trying to lobby government always and things like that. So every time I get a little, I don't have one-one because one, every time something occurs, I, I get that kind of push that lets us continue because it's like a little bit more water that I got when I was thirsty to help me move a step further. So I, I don't have just one. There are many. That's good to hear Um, that, you know,
0: throughout it all, you know, you can look back at your work and think "But to bad, you know, I was able to do that. I was able right. to get that done. Um, I was curious, so outside of the like, you know, the spaces that organizations like yours are able to put on, are there, are there like party promoters within the community in Belize that put on events and things like that? And I asked because I know in St. Lucia, when we had the conversation, you know, they were having a lot of house and that's kind of where some of the work was kind of launched following that. So I was wondering, like, and in Jamaica in many ways, you know, if I were to draw a parallel, you know, there are lots of parties that happen. And that's why a lot of us kind of become locked in and linked into the community. I know Landville, Go on the other day, Living Best Life. So um, I, I'm just curious, like, what is that party scene like um, in Belize even before COVID?
3: There wasn't really a party scene, you know, because like the local DJs, the local clubs, things like that, they're not they're not at that place where they're respectful of persons, mm-hmm. and so we would not put anybody out there. Um, for that to happen. It's unfortunate um, and I I am hopeful that with time, some of these things will change, that persons will receive the necessary information. Um, Sometimes, it's I don't believe it's only information that it's going to take for persons to act right. Um, But we don't, even before COVID, we did not really have a party scene. There was one Um, gay man that had a club and one would say it's a gay club because he's a gay man and a lot of gay persons went there but um, that had gotten closed down Um, he had shut that down and after he did there wasn't anything else that opened up a part of that as I said there's not a space that's safe enough for for persons to frequent and they and not have harm come to them um there will always be parties that gay people have, and so. Um, but other than that, there's not like, like really a a party scene for for the LGBT community. No, we don't we don't have we don't have one.
0: Mm. That's unfortunate.
3: It is. <laughs> it is, but but we will get there. We will get there. I I know we will get there. It just takes um. It takes a lot more work um, and a lot more persons to to join you in that work to get to that point.
2: What does the advocacy landscape look like? So, outside of um, Pedal, are are there other organizations on the ground helping and helping to advance this work?
3: There are. There's UNIBAM. You're familiar with UNIBAM, with Caleb. There is um, two trans organizations, Tia Belize and Belize Trans Colors. There's Our Circle. Um, There is Belize Youth Empowerment for Change. Okay. And there's Tikum Olam for Sex Workers. So um, even though uh, Belize Youth Empowerment for Change, they're based in our Western part of the country, Tikumolam is in the northern part of the country. So, you know, we are kind of like spread out um, and there's advocacy going around from in those different areas. For example, um, Unibam and Empower Yourself Belize movement are two LGBT organizations. Uh, Belize Trans Colors and Tia Belize are two trans organizations, Um, our circle, is for LGBT um, families, right? So, so we're working in the, the advocacies within the different areas um, to kind of give it a holistic approach,
2: you know. Okay. I'm always curious about how we take care of ourselves as people who are active uh, in the fight, and so I would love to pose that question. You know, what does taking care of yourself look like because I'm sure I'm not even going to ask if at times it becomes overwhelming I know for a fact that it does in those moments how are you taking care of Sharice
3: like you started off saying when you were chatting sleep. <laughs> sleep the sleep that we'd hardly get to get sleep no caffeine no anything just undisturbed sleep that becomes such a Pleasure people won't understand. Isn't that such a luxury now?
2: Oh my god!
3: <laughs> to be able to just sleep, just not pick up a book, not not go some, just be able to have undisturbed sleep. That is how I. I yesterday I actually didn't do anything. We were working nonstop on this proposal to get it in, and so yesterday I was like, I'm not doing anything nothing I didn't even want to eat nothing I was just so tired you know uh, and wanted to rest Um, but besides the sleep what I tend to do is I have this thing set on my phone Mm -hmm. by the time it gets to a certain hour it goes on silent so I don't hear it ring I don't hear things like that because it needs to be put away the work that we do persons reach us 24-7 24-7 and they don't want to hear that you have a life. It's like you're the energizer bunny. bunny. I call, you answer. You're not supposed to be tired. You're not supposed to say no. So I have this thing where my phone shuts off. Um, when it comes to the weekend, if we're not doing activities, it's the same thing. I don't get on my computer. Like today would have been a day. I wouldn't get on the computer or anything because I have to detach for a minute so that I can come back to To all that I have to do, so and to do regular check ins with the therapist too, cause yeah, some days you're like,
2: oh, mm-hmm.
3: I'll send the next me. Right, this one needs to check out. Right. right. So yes, yes, we. It's uh, very important. They they taking care of you without caffeine. <laughs> <I don't
0: laughs> um, without caffeine.
3: I do have a question.
0: Sure. Kind of connected to that question. Because you know, you said you start petal something, you started with your partner. I was wondering how has that work affected whether positively or otherwise, the relationship has like brought you closer together? Or has it just kind of added another layer of things to do?
3: The relationship with whom? Your partner that you, you started with um i think everything has its good and it's bad you know because with the work it's like your whole life becomes the work because it's it's my partner and i that started it it's like where is where where are we when and where do we not speak about work you know because you're in the same house and things like that you're doing this work together like when do we not talk about work you know And so sometimes it's very, very challenging and um, challenging where I can see with persons heading organizations, how their personal life, even if, if both partners are not doing this type of work, how it can become hard and how you really have to work at striking that balance because man, it does take up a lot of your times. If you're not in meetings, you're off to somewhere doing something, you're doing some work, you're writing some proposal, you're engaging your community, you're, uh, there's not enough hours in the day. So I would say um, it's hard for us to strike the balance because there's so much work that is always there to do. Um, and we don't have staff, which is kind of unfortunate because if we did, then at least you could put that off on somebody else, right? So it has been challenging. Um, but like for this weekend, see, I'm by myself and she went to visit her mom. So, you know, you kind of have to do things to make sure that, that, that you kind of take a break. And then when you come back, at least then you come back. There's this thing that says absence makes the heart grow fonder. We, we test it out sometimes to see if it's true. <laughs> because when you're together, there's like so much work that you're doing that you just forget these little things and we take it for granted. That yeah, but it's hard striking the balance. It's hard. I can imagine.
0: Um. So yeah, I would, I was you know very curious because, um, I I can just imagine that you're just probably just lying down together and uh, working. <laughs> you watch too
3: much TV. No, no, no.
0: You can just have dinner talking and a work-related idea comes up and you just go off into the work-related idea. A lot of my friends I work with, so I, that's what I was
3: thinking about with my team. I'm grateful, saying. though, that I don't have small children. I have two children. I have a 24-year-old son and a 19-year-old daughter. So um, I'm grateful that I don't have little children because it would have been triple hard. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It would. It would. Um, any other questions, Lando?
1: No, I'm good.
2: No, I'm good. I'm. I'm... Yeah. What
0: so we... I have one more question before we wrap up, and it is: mm-hmm. um, so in the next five years, what do you see for like Belize um, and the situation there, and also for yourself and for Petal and everything? What are you seeing in the next five years?
3: Um, In the next five years, I'd like to see, first of all, our organization owning our own building. Because if we do, then there is going to be a scene for the LGBT community because that's going to be their home. In the next five years, I'd like to see as well that the Equal Opportunities Bill, I I mean, I'd like to see that come into effect before five years, but if it did, that would really do a lot for for our LGBT community. Um, I'd like to see that we have a human rights lawyer that's for the community. I know that we have a lot of lawyers, they go, they say they're doing human rights and things like that, but. It's not for us. There really and truly is a difference when when people are for your cause um, and not just coming along because money is involved or fame is involved for them and things like that. That it's it's truly meaningful. Um, I'd like to see as well that in our country, there is more legislation for our same-sex couples to have benefits. Presently, they cannot receive benefits from their partners because there's no legislation for for, uh, LGBT persons. So for example, if my partner and I have been together for like 18 years, and should something happen to either one of us, nobody can get anything from the other, not social security benefits, any of those things, even though you've been building a life together, right? So I'd like to see within the next five years, there's more legislation that would cover for partners, spouses, not spouses, because there's not marriage. And marriage isn't something that I'm too big on simply because that's just the marriage. What happens if we don't have the the necessary um, legislation in place? You know, you can be married. And then what? If there's no legislation to say, should you die? If you have kids, if you amass this wealth, what will happen to those things? So for me, I'd like to see those things come into place first before the marriage comes along. So that's where I'm at for the next five years. I don't want to put too many things because it makes us overly ambitious. And then we go at so many things and then nothing gets done. Right. But Those are are the strides that I think would get us in a better place within the next five years.
1: I just want to add one little piece, just because I think a lot of times um, we we want um, equal marriage. And I'm just like, there's so many other important things that the community needs. Equal marriage really and truly will not help you get better healthcare. It will not help you um, from being homeless. It will not help you from being out of a job because the are fire because you're LGBT. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that, you know, people from the Caribbean are saying, listen, equal marriage can stay um this is what we want now it's not important for some people that's what they want but let's prioritize things
0: <laughs> you and me both friend you and me both um but thank you so much Charisse, for coming on and being willing to kind of share with us the realities um of the situation in belize what life is like there and you know how not different things have been since the case but you know but also your hopes for what a future can look like and what and that there have been victories and that we hope that there will continue to be further victories. Um, so to our listeners, thank you as always for showing up and supporting us. Right, I think we have like, I don't want two more episodes left this season it's been a long season.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, so thank you for sticking with us. As I said, I yeah, COVID spiel doing what it's supposed to do. Um, if you want to give us your feedback, it's at Fishtee Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Or if you want to email us your feedback, it's fishteepodcast at gmail.com. Like, share, subscribe, rate us, Right, leave us a comment, all of that good stuff on whatever platform you're listening on. And as I always say, my dears, stay sophisticated. Bye. Bye. Bye.